let's define what a brand is. There's lots of definitions, but the one I really like is it's a suite of related products that solve problems for a group of people. Could be knitters, could be boxers, could be photographers, could be software developers. So if that's what a brand is, then branding is your brand identity. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking to Ben Leonard from Ecom Brokers. Hey Ben, great to be uh, to be with us. Hey Norbert, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so happy. Um, ben, tell tell me a bit about yourself, about Ecom Brokers. I think what I've seen is you make selling your e-commerce business simple, hassle-free, fair and clear. But better to hear it from your end. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm one of the co-founders of Ecom Brokers, um, which came about in the classic entrepreneurial way of trying to fix your own problem. I sold my first business in 2019 and the broker I used could have cost me over 300,000 pounds in, um, in a catastrophic error. And I was very lucky because my accountant fixed the error. We tidied up the mess and we got the deal done and we said, well, let's improve on that. So we found e-com brokers. And uh, yeah, like you said, our job is to, to help uh, e-commerce business owners execute their business hassle-free. We, we plan and then execute e-commerce business owner exits. That's cool. So this is what the business owners aim for when they start their e-commerce business to make a seven-figure exit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the way to go is to start with the end in mind, I think the way to make money in e-commerce, I think you're, I know you're typically when you sell your business, you know, typically with an e-commerce business, you're going to make at least 50% of all the money you ever make from that business will be made when you sell it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And I think the smart way to, to approach an e-commerce business now is, is plan to eventually sell it. That's really interesting part. Um, it, it, I think it depends where you come from, but um, I think the impetus behind founding Econ Brokers were, were the mistake that the mistakes that have been done while you were exiting. Yes, um, yeah. the broker that I worked with at the time, and there were limited options available at that time. It has to be said for e-commerce business owners, mm-hmm. they were operating at such a scale with so many business owners that they weren't hands-on enough and their systems and processes let them down or lack of good systems and processes let them down and allowed poor errors to slip through their quality assurance process. And when they were they were ready to go, they'd signed off on everything, ready to go to market. And I spotted an error. I knew the numbers didn't make sense, showed it to my accountant. She ran it all again and figured out what they'd done wrong. And therefore, we decided to improve on that because... You know, the people running the deal weren't qualified. They'd outsourced a lot of it. They'd automated it. And really, you need people with experience on all sides of the equation. You know, accountants, mergers and acquisitions experts, people who are who own and operate their own e-commerce brands and understand what it's like. 
people who've bought businesses and sold businesses. And so we decided to, to create that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, when do I know that I could probably sell my e-commerce business? Well, it really depends on what your goals are, what your values are, and where you are in your life. Because everybody is different. That's a cliche, but it's true. And everybody, what everybody wants for their business is, is different. Some people will be happy to sell their business for you know, half a million dollars. And some people want to sell it for $20 million. Some people's businesses will never have the potential to sell for $20 million for a variety of reasons. And they need to be realistic about that. And some people will have the potential for their business to grow, to be stratospheric. But to get there, they need to sell it to the right people who can get it there. So in terms of what's right for you, it depends, which is why we encourage people to work with experts now, even if they don't think they want to sell their business for a few years. Find out what your business is worth more or less now to give you a reference point, um, a map and a compass so that you know, okay, here's what my business is theoretically worth, but I want to get it to, you know, it's theoretically worth, you know, $200,000. Well, I want to sell it for $800,000 minimum. What are the things I need to do to get me there? And then that shapes your strategy for the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you yourself, you grew an, an international seven-figure brand. Yep. And you achieved the, the, the Holy Grail exit after three years. So this is really um, awesome. Was it difficult to, 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 to let go of the business? Yeah, there was a little bit of emotion in there. And that's, this, is the, this is one of the big learnings that I've taken away from this process and applied to what we're doing now is it's a very emotional time. Selling something that's your baby, that you've put your heart and soul, your blood, sweat and tears into. So it has to be... You have to accept that when you sell it, you're selling it. It's not yours anymore. You have to be sure that the people you're selling it to are the right people. And if it turns out after a period of time that they weren't the right people, you have to be willing to let that go because you can't live your life that way. And the other thing about the emotion is that's why it's important to work with experts who can be the buffer between reality and your emotions. Because the last thing you want to do is get very emotional and make snap quick, irrational decisions before you've had the chance to sit down with somebody else who can give you a cup of coffee and say, hold on a second, let's look at the raw data and let's talk about the actual reality here rather than talking about the emotion. Oh yeah, I can't believe that. And it is really uh, so, something that can be very, very hard for someone uh, to hear something that uh, is maybe not that thing that the person wanted to hear. Yes, yeah. completely. Yeah. yeah, And you have to be uh, willing to hear things you don't want to hear. And, yeah. and if your broker that you're working with is a good broker, they will tell you what you don't want to hear because they need to be working with your best interests at heart rather than just telling you what you want to hear. Because ultimately, if you just hear what you want to hear, you're not going to really get where you want to go. Yeah. And is there something that you wanted to wish that you knew uh, about negotiation um, at the time before you started the process? I wish I could have predicted that a year later, my business would probably be worth double. Oh, wow. The change in the market. So yeah. I sold my business and, you know, I, I'm joking really, because although, yeah, it would have been nice if I sold it maybe a calendar year later, 
I sold my business on Halloween 2019. If I'd sold nice. a year later, I probably would have got double without even changing anything about the profit. It could have stayed flat, but the multiple would have probably been at least double. Um, but I don't live my life regretting that because, you know, I might fall down the stairs and break my legs tomorrow. I might get hit by a bus. You can't live that way. Um, which is why when you come to selling your business, you need to be comfortable with the numbers. So for example, you know, when I sold my business, I had to look at what I was getting up front and look at what I might get on an earnout and say to myself, worst case, the new owners completely screw it up. We achieve none of the earnout targets and I get no more money than what I'm getting up front. Am I comfortable with that? And that's the question that I pose to my clients all the time. You know, you need to be comfortable with that. But yeah, if I could have learned anything, I would have known that the market would have changed. Um, because, uh, it's been a wild ride since 2019. We've gone up and right back down again. Got it. What's the first mistake people look, uh, looking, um, to sell the e-commerce business usually make? Uh, the first mistake they make is they try to sell themselves. Um, or they try to, to save money by selling it through some cheap service. You know, we, in our businesses, we all work with experts, right? We work with legal experts to help us with our trademarks and our patents. We work with product designers to help us design our products. We work with expert manufacturers. We work with great photographers and videographers. And yet, for some reason, when it comes to their most valuable asset, some people think, oh, I'll save money by selling it myself and avoiding a broker or selling it through some cheap service, which is going to list their website and promises to flip it for them which is completely backwards thinking because actually if you work with an expert, you're not spending money, you're investing money to make more money because mm. their fees should actually more than pay for the value that they add to the business. I think this is what people are afraid for, to put some uh, upfront money into some uh, broker and um, and and then um, the, the upfront money is gone and they are afraid that a broker will not do what they paid for. Exactly, which is why we don't charge anyone upfront. Wow, that's great. So we charge people only after we've sold their business. So that's really a very interesting approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you see different models across the market. And uh, if something like that is offered, I think it's a no brainer. Uh, even if the um, selling fees may be later a bit higher, but you don't have any risks. And this is very, very interesting. And you know more about the company. Let's talk a bit about e-commerce brands. Um, yeah. I mean, there's still lots of adverts online telling people that they can easily identify a gap in the market and make millions. Um, is, is this still possible in 2022? Or um, is, is the, the way of thinking detached from reality at this point? The answer is yes and no. Um, so if your thinking is, I'm going to use a very clever tool to find some little gap and exploit that gap by finding some random product on Alibaba that's going to fill that gap, then no. Because that's just trying to hack your way to success. And that's short-termist. It's not sustainable. If your approach is to say to yourself, right, I'm going to build a brand, a suite of products which solve real problems for a particular group of people, ideally something that I have an interest in myself. So if you're interested in keeping, keeping fish in coral, coral reef aquariums, right, start a brand that serves those people. Is it possible to build a multi-million dollar brand with that approach? Absolutely it is, because the, the, the playing field is level. We live in a time when we can learn and do almost anything we want using the internet pretty much for free. 
um, barring except maybe becoming a brain surgeon, you know? So yeah, it's still possible. That's cool. Uh, mine simply repackaging stuff and sell it uh, to consumers. This trend has ended, I think. So yes. um, just looking yeah. for something, as you said, on Alibaba or what else, dropshipping. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is this is something that that business model cannot be sold. I think uh, that that yeah, I mean, if it's really big and you have a lot of consumers, then you're selling the people, of course. But um, I think just repackaging is is not what 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 people. Should, is, should go after. Yeah, that's over. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how is an e-commerce company, let's say, evaluated? How, how, how can I say, okay, I mean, that there is a difference. You have a lot of revenue maybe, but not enough margin. Or how do you, do you evaluate an, an e-commerce company to be sold? So let's keep it simple and broad for the audience because everybody's business is different. But if we're focusing purely on the numbers, so we're not looking at the added value from brand identity and all the fantastic brand mm -hmm. assets somebody might have, like their TikTok with 200 million views or whatever. We're purely going to look at the numbers for the purposes of this. We take your seller's discretionary earnings, which is, if people don't know what that is, it's a little bit like profit. It's your net income plus add backs and adjustments. So it's your, your, your gross income minus your cost of goods sold and your marketing costs. And then to that, we add back costs, which the new owner of the business wouldn't expect to take on. So for instance, because most times when you're selling your e-commerce business, you're probably selling it to a much larger, larger organization who are going to bolt your business onto their existing setup, right? So costs that you have that they currently won't have, that would be you know, subscriptions to software. They've already got that. That would be your accountancy fees. They've already got an accountant. For example, it would be your own salary, your health insurance, anything else you're putting through the business. And then we would make adjustments to represent the true value of the business. So for example, suppose you've managed to negotiate lower costs on your products in the last three months, as opposed to eight months ago. Hmm. Well, we would adjust your SDE, we'll call it your profit, just for the purposes of this podcast, we would adjust that up. So after we've arrived at your SDE, we would then multiply that by a multiple, which gives us the value of the business. And multiples in e-commerce are typically between about two and six, depending on the strength of the business and the strength of the brand. The stronger the brand, the higher the multiple, right? And right now, multiples have been depressed because we've gone through a big correction in the market. But for a strong brand, they're still looking you know, pretty good. But somewhere between two and six times your seller's discretionary earnings is going to give you the value of the business. So you know, if you've got a business that's doing a, a half million and we multiply that by three, then your business is going to be worth one and a half million. Cool. Very interesting. When you look at selling a company, I mean, the brand is, as you said, a very important fact, the soft facts. Um, what, what makes a, a brand outstanding? What should a brand have to be um, a bigger multiplier? Yeah, a brand really needs to have a loyal and engaged group of people who feel an affinity towards your brand. So... Actually, let me backtrack. Let's define what a brand is. There's lots of definitions, but the one I really like is it's a suite of related products that solve problems for a group of people. Could be knitters, could be boxers, could be photographers, could be software developers. So if that's what a brand is, then branding 
is your brand identity. Mm-hmm. And that really comes down to how you make people feel. And ideally, I think all brands really want people to feel loyal, proud, excited. You know, they've placed an order, they're excited to receive it. Maybe even love your brand and, and become such a brand evangelist, they'll tell everyone about it. We all know people who remember when the iPhone came out and, and you knew they had an iPhone because they told you, right? You know, that's the kind of way you want people to feel about your brand. So if that's our brand identity, then we need to tell people about it. So that's our marketing. Our marketing is how we tell people about it. And that's why it's more important than branding. So really, when people are thinking about their business, their e-commerce business, it needs to not just be a business that sells a mishmash of random stuff on you know, a website or on Amazon or on Walmart or whatever it might be, or a mix of these. It needs to have a true brand identity. And so think about yourself. What are your favorite hobbies and interests? And what are your favorite brands? What, what are your favorite brands in your food cupboard right now? And ask yourself, what do they do? How do they behave? What do they have? And do that, right? They behave like, like legit CPG brands, right? And, and, and they, they learn about their customers and what they want and what they need. And they position themselves as the solution to that. And that's the way people need to behave with their business rather than just being a get rich quick sell stuff on the internet thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fully need to agree on that. Um, now let's take a look at the other part. Um, the buyers, mm. I mean, who is actually buying in e-commerce and, and buying this, um, let's say bunch of work of migrating the company, uh, putting them into the, um, own holding or infrastructure, uh, scenarios and so on. Who, who is, who are the buyers nowadays? So it's a mix, but the ones that everybody's talking about, we'll start there are the aggregators. Yeah. They are organizations which are backed by a mix of equity and debt from a variety of sources, including private equity, family offices, high net worth individuals. And their business model is to roll up lots of e-commerce businesses into their portfolio Mm -hmm. and then either sell them on or go public. And no aggregator has yet gone public. Thrasio nearly did it uh, about a year and a half ago. That didn't happen. But the moment one of them does, a lot is going to change and it'll be great. Um, So the business model is buy them low and sell them high, essentially, right? Okay, yeah. And there are other buyers. So you might sell to a strategic, a much larger organization that wants to bolt you onto their existing setup, either because you're a competitor, they want to eat you up, or you have something different that's going to bolster their offering. Or it might be a micro roll-up, which is, you know, like it's basically the same model as an aggregator, but it's much, much smaller. They're flying under the radar, picking up smaller businesses. And it might be a private individual who has lots of money or has taken out a loan or a group of private individuals who've invested together. But overall, that's basically what, what the model is. And, you know, this all kind of came to be in 2018. So the, the first real aggregator was called 101 Commerce. They don't exist anymore. But the, the, the one that really was the pioneer that set the big scene was Thrasio. Mm-hmm. They formed in Dunkin' Donuts in New York in 2018, September 2018. They bought my business uh, a year later. And that was their first European acquisition. And since then, we've seen you know, 200-odd aggregators form, all with similar but slightly different approaches. Some are buying everything. Some are buying particular categories. Some are buying small because they want to sell their entire portfolio to a big aggregator in the future. 
and some want to go public. That's really a very, very interesting scenario, to be honest, um, because I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like being on the stock market um, and, and betting on companies. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it sounds completely like that. Yeah. And a lot of people have made good bets and a lot of people have made bad bets. So some of the larger aggregators in particular, you may have been, been hearing about this, have had a lot of layoffs lately and have completely paused all acquisitions whilst they focus on getting themselves in order because they made some mistakes. You know, they betted on this, these businesses being easy to run. They're, they're not. They, they basically somewhat arrogantly said, oh, these aren't real businesses. This is just stuff selling on the internet. We'll just roll them up. They'll run themselves. We'll make lots of money. And they figured out, actually, they really need to get their operational capability fixed. And they've realized that you can't just buy rubbish. So, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, you could have a pretty terrible business and be a pretty terrible business person just selling random stuff on the internet, but it was making profit and you could sell it for a really high multiple because they were just buying, it was, you know, call it cash flow arbitrage. If you had positive cash flow, they would buy it at a low multiple to roll it into their portfolio and immediately it's worth much more. Now it's all about brand. You have to have a real brand. It's kind of like Pinocchio, right? Pinocchio said, I want to be a real boy. Well, Everybody with an e-commerce business needs to say, I want to have a real brand. That's cool. Really cool. Uh, how, how, how important are those soft facts for e-commerce, like uh, having the automations in shape, everything running smoothly? How, how is this coming into place for, for the acquisition part? Yeah, it matters because a buyer wants to buy a business. They want to pick up your existing business and drop it into their existing setup which means the easier it is, the more transferable it is, the more efficient it is, the more quickly they can keep it moving and get it moving even better than you did, the better. So the more automations you have in terms of software tools you're using, for example, for inventory management, for social media, for email marketing, for chatbots, the more outsourcing you have to competent outsource individuals or agencies to run day-to-day -day ops, the better, because the easier it is for another organization to absorb your organization that really matters that's very interesting because automation is um also in the other uh, challenges e-commerce businesses that don't want to sell that use it yourself um or that, that want to keep the business they they all come with the fact that automation matters a lot um and as i think it's it's very interesting that even if you want to sell a company or if you want to acquire a company um that this Fatter Mac, uh, this this factor um, is 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 important um, because uh, they they can easily uh, integrate the company into their own infrastructure and their own portfolio, and um, that that's again um, a, a very interesting thing that automation really really matters, um, and this is all about the show here, which is great to hear it also for the acquisition part. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of automation and the more that people can do it, um, provided it doesn't negatively impact performance, obviously, the better. Yeah. The last question for today. Um, who has told you the most about e-commerce in your career? Oh, the most about e-commerce in my career. Um, well, I suppose indirectly, right? It's not actually specifically about e-commerce, but it's more the principles that, of business, which then filter down into e-commerce. 
I got to say it's Michael E. Gerber, who wrote the classic, the E-Myth, and then the best book, the E-Myth Revisited. Uh, I read that book probably once per year. The principles and teachings in it, though particularly simple, are timeless. And it's always good to give myself a, a refresher and make sure that I am applying those principles appropriately in everything that I do, whether that's an econ brokers, the new brands that I'm building myself or my consulting or whatever it might be, even day-to-day life, actually. Um, so yeah, it's got to be Michael Gerber. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being on the show. It was really interesting. I mean, a completely other part than we ever had so far of um, selling and buying ready-made e-commerce companies. Um, what I learned and what I really like is get your brand in shape. Take care that the brand is there. It does not work for just rebranding things and selling them and then try to sell the company. It will not be the same thing as if you have put in really your blood, your energy, um, your sweat into the company. And then it's uh, much more easy to sell than just if you rebrand something. Um, and that there is really a market for this. So uh, I, I didn't know that we have so many big players already trying to acquire e-commerce companies. Um, the market really seems to be grown up now. And we're coming to very, very interesting times when it comes to selling a company. So thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks and if me. you liked it, then uh, hit the subscribe button and listen for the next show. See you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for EcomOps Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 